He was asked me to read from Ephesians. Chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Before I read that, would you pray with me? Our Father, we thank you that we can meet together. We draw strength from each other, but more than that, we draw strength from you and from your spirit as we meet. We pray you'd be with each one of us. You have what we all need, each one of us, and we ask you to help us find that thing to fill up the void in our life that we might have. We know some are missing today. We have homebound. We have talked about them already, Ellen and Devon and Hazel and, and many more. We pray you'd be with those. They can't come out publicly, uh, but we can see them carry your words and your comfort to them. Help us in that. We have others who are physically sick. We'd ask you to look in on those. We thank you for relief of some concerns. We're hearing the fires are in some places more under control in California. We thank you for these things. We all have storms in our lives that, that you help with. We can see that. Sometimes we can't see the end yet, but we know you're there. So we ask you to be with us as we open your word. Be with Steve as he presents it. Help us all in our understanding your will and willing to practice it. This is our prayer as we gather and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Ephesians 2, 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Good morning. Sorry, I got up here like an old man. I know. Uh, yeah, I don't want to get myself in trouble. But Linda's not here, so how am I going to get myself in trouble without her here? I have to find alternatives. Yeah. Well, I was just looking down at Jennifer, who like uh, everyone should do this morning, is completely ignoring me. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Um, by the way, it is great to be here today. I'm grateful to be here. I uh, wasn't here last week, but I am back with you, and I'm excited to be here. Um, we're going to have a little different lesson today. Um, I'm going to tell you a story. We'll see how that goes. I will include Bible verses, so fear not. But um, how many, I'm just curious, how many teachers do we have? If you're a teacher, if you're an educator, either one. If you're a teacher here, raise your hand. Because you know what? If you're a teacher here, raise your hand. Because we need to recognize everybody that does that. That's a good point. And I'm, I'm glad that that question was nebulous enough to go in a wrong direction because, um, you know, we don't appreciate the teachers at our church. 
uh, as much as we should. I'm not saying we don't appreciate them, but we always need to do more. If you're not teaching and you're not in the ministry in charge of the teaching, you have no idea how difficult it is to get people to actually uh, teach Bible classes, uh, especially for kids. So those of you doing it, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Raise your hands again. Thank you. Come on. I noticed there's a cricket over in this corner. So if we have any awkward pauses, the cricket will kick in. Make sure you get that on the recording, Jason. Um, raise your hand if you uh, have taught or do teach in a public school. Oh, look at all those. Work with kids in other ways. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I've worked with kids in a lot of ways, including at a public school. And that is, uh, God bless you, people that keep doing that. Just kidding. But uh, one of the hardest things about working with kids is dealing with the kids that maybe don't have so great a parents. It is heartbreaking the way some kids live. The things that they have to endure on a daily basis. The things that you think a, a parent has certain responsibilities, and even if they're not a good parent, they're going to cover those to some degree. And if you work with kids long enough, you will realize how that is often just completely not true. And honestly, that's the hardest part of working with kids for me is um, even in the public school, I probably had a breakdown at least once a week just because of the sad things that people do to kids sometimes. And maybe some of you listening to me right now have lived through things like that, and I'm I'm sorry, uh, it's not fair that the world is that way, that evil has entered the world, and that these things happen. But I want to tell you a story of one of these kids, a little girl. Now, being from California, I've heard kids name some pretty interesting things. Sometimes, I won't tell you the names just in case you have a friend or a child that I'm not aware of. Let's name this. I'm not going to use any of the actual names, but some of the names are so weird. I would, and these are close friends. They'd say, hey, we named our boy. And I'd be like, oh, cool. So you're going to teach him how to fight? That's mean. That's mean. Thank you for the courtesy laugh, by the way, Greg. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, my parents wanted to name me Wiley after my grandfather. That's my grandfather's name. Stop laughing. But luckily, my dad intervened, and my name is now Stephen, which is a much cooler name. Um, but some of the names that I've seen, uh, uh, children I've come into contact with, they're not so nice names. And there are laws in some states, including California now, where you can't name your kids certain things because certain things mark them for life. And people do this. They name their kids horrible things. Why would you do that? 
Well, if you knew the other things people do to kids, you wouldn't be that surprised because the other things that happen are much worse. I'm not telling you this to depress you. I'm telling you this is the way the world works. Those of you who have good parents, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands because that could start some fights. But those of you who have good parents, or if you at least, if you can't see that you had good parents, if you had parents that made sure that you were fed, made sure that you were clothed, who didn't use you as a punching bag, who didn't abuse you because they had problems of their own parents, who weren't constantly drunk or high, then you're in the good part. Because a lot of kids don't have that. Um, And I won't get into how the really, really bad stuff I've seen. But I want to talk about one of these kids, a girl. She was, this girl really never had a chance, sadly. She was named after a pagan god. Isn't that great? She was named after a pagan god. So already, she's not having a good start to life. By the way, this pagan god is the the god of... uh, vengeance and wrath. So you give your kid a name. It's like naming your kid Jezebel. Sorry if you know a Jezebel. But that doesn't seem very nice to me. But it's worse than that. You're naming your kid after the pagan god of wrath. That kind of tells you what kind of parents this kid had, doesn't it? Very sad. And... um. When, when you see a kid that has parents like this, and like you're working at a school, I worked as a school counselor for a couple of years, and um, you just go, man, what, what kind of life is this kid going to have? Because if you look at the kids we have here in this congregation, you guys are good parents. And even that sometimes isn't enough for our kids to go exactly the way we want them to go. If you think about a kid who is named after a pagan god of vengeance and wrath, and you see this kid, you think, what chance does this kid even have? So, predictably, this girl, um, during her growing up, she was mistreated. She was treated badly. It's not polite to say in a gathering with children here, what kinds of things she went through, but they were bad things. She was treated more like an object that her parents could profit from rather than treated like a person. And that lifestyle, of course, carried with her to when she was an adult. She got into prostitution, She got into a lot of things. She was angry. She was wounded. She was suffering. And there are people all around us in the world who have seen things and done things. And sometimes it's their decisions too. Absolutely. But they're walking around in a kind of spiritual pain that I hope you can't even understand. 
And yes, Jesus calls us to save people who are lost and will not enter the kingdom of God, but the kingdom of God exists right now in 2020 in LaGrange, Indiana. We should bring healing to those who are so in such spiritual pain that every day is a fire to them. This is one of those people. So, this girl had done a lot of praying. She'd reached a point in her life where she's just not really able to take it anymore. And things in her community started to get really, really bad. There were big changes coming and everyone was afraid. But she saw something different. She saw in those changes that were coming, she saw that maybe those changes are God's wrath on the people around me who've been evil. And honestly, even though I, I was dealt a bad hand, I, choose, I chose to continue in this way instead of trying to find a better way. Well, God, I repent of that. I want a better way. I want out. I want to do better. I just don't know how to do it. So, um, she reached out to God. She didn't know who Jehovah God was, of course, but she reached out to Him. And... And this was in another country. This is not in the United States. She had found out that the armies were were coming, approaching her country. And God showed her in that. He showed His power in the army that was coming. And she knew that's the power of God. And so when they came, she wasn't, she was afraid on the one hand, but on the other hand, she said, I want to reach out. I see God, and I want to reach out, and maybe I can be saved. And um, so one day, um, you know, before an army approaches a city, they send out scouts, right? They had a scouting party that happened to get caught in her town and those people probably by the grace of God came to her door. Now remember, she is um, a prostitute, but they end up at her place. It's kind of a uh, place where people come and go and not a lot of questions are asked. And she says, you know what? I'm on your side. I will you can hide at my place until the search party blows past. So she hides them at her place. And when the soldiers come, she lies and says, yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen them. I don't know who you're talking about. And the scouting party went away. And of course, the guys were very grateful. They said, you saved our lives. And she says, yeah, I know. But when you guys come through, remember that I did this for you. Remember me. Is this story ringing any bells for anybody? Yeah, I see some heads nodding out there. 
So how does this story end? Well, we'll take a look at that in a a second, but let's take a look at who was this woman? Was she a sellout? Was she a turncoat? Was she just someone who, oh, she's always just looked for any opportunity she could to be in the to get what she wants. Is that true? No. This is a woman who reached out to God and God reached back. Because the truth of this woman was she had only ever wanted to be safe. She had only ever wanted to be a good person. And God provided her that opportunity. Most of all, she's just a person who just wanted to live. And the people around us going through pain, and a lot of them making very bad choices, those are people who ultimately just want to live. And through Christ, we can bring the life that we have to them. So this woman, most of her life was just the bad kid, the rotten seed, the trash. But the years she spent living as a prostitute, living, doing all the wrong things, those things aren't what defines this woman. What defines this woman is the choice she made to reach out and find God. And she found him. And this story ends, if you can turn in your Bible, to Joshua chapter 6. Starting in verse 22, the whole story is there in in chapter 6. But to the two men who had spied out the land, Joshua said, go into the prostitute's house and bring out from there the woman and all who belong to her as you swore. Because they they didn't just save her, they saved all of her family with her. That was part of the agreement she made with the men. So the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, the woman in question, and brought out her father and mother and brothers and all who belonged to her. And they brought all of her relatives and put them outside the camp of Israel. And they burned the city of Jericho with fire and everything in it. Only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. But Rahab, the prostitute, and her father's household, and all who belonged to her, Joshua saved alive. And she has lived in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. And there's a lot more to this woman. This woman who was defined by her very ignoble birth and her very traumatic childhood and her young adult life spent in all the wrong places. 
She's not defined by all that. She's defined by reaching out to God, finding Him, and listening. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 11. This was, let me do the math, depending on which timeline you believe, 1,200 to 1,400 years after the fact that the Hebrew writer in chapter 11, verse 31, says about her, By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient, because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. If you look at Hebrews chapter 11, this is a story of all the men and women of faith in the Old Testament. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, everyone in the Old Testament is listed here. Among them is listed that little girl who grew up to become a prostitute. Because she's not remembered as a prostitute. She's, she's remembered as someone whom God saved and who chose God over her past life. In this list of all the people who've been faithful to God, Rahab. Rahab, that name. That's not even a good name. That's the pagan god of wrath and vengeance. Rahab is remembered even by the Hebrew writer as someone who we should look up to. James chapter 2. Just a couple pages farther in your Bible. James, the brother of Jesus, also writes about her and says, In the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works, when she received the messengers and sent them out another way. And you know, it even it, some of you already know this, but it even goes farther than that. Not only is she held aloft as someone we should try to be like, but she also plays a very important part in history and in your life. Matthew chapter 1. How does she play an important part of my life, Steve? Well, Matthew chapter 1. When Matthew is trying to convince the Jews that Jesus is the promised Messiah, he goes through Jesus' lineage all the way back to Abraham saying that Jesus is a son of Abraham and a son of David. And he starts off with, Abraham was the father of Isaac. If you went to Sunday school class, you probably know that. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. You probably knew that too. Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. And Perez, the father of Hezron. And Hezron, the father of Ram. And Ram, the father of Aminadab. And Aminadab, the father of Nashon. And Nashon, the father of Salmon. And Salmon, the father of Boaz by Rahab. And Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth. And Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David, the king. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. 
And the lineage continues down until you get to Jesus. This woman was an important part of history. So important that she's mentioned by Matthew as someone who adds to the lineage of Jesus. A positive note in Jesus' lineage amongst His fathers and grandfathers and great-great-grandfathers and great-great-grandfathers and great-great-great-grandfathers and great-great-grandfathers. He also mentions some women. Right? He mentions Ruth. And he mentions Rahab. Because Rahab is not defined by the fact that she grew up in an abusive environment, in an evil city. The city was so full of evil that God executed judgment on that city and used the armies of Israel to bring that judgment to life. Think about that. What defines you as a person? What's holding you back? What's broken and wrong about you? What have you lived through? Are you too goofy? Are you too wound up? You notice those first two adjectives I use are pretty good indications of me. Are you? Are you too silly? Are you too wound up? Are you too grumpy? Are you too bald? Are you too whatever? You're just not like the kind of people that God, that are best friends of God, are you? You're not like those people. You're just not as good as those good people, are you? Wrong. We're not defined by where we were born or to whom we were born or how we grew up or even the bad choices were made in the past. If we'll reach out to God, we're defined by the holiness of God. And any belief to the contrary is the lies of the evil one. You're giving, every time you say, you know what, I'm just not like those people. I'm different. You don't understand, I'm different. You are just giving yourself an excuse to continue living in the wrong place, doing the wrong things. Yeah, maybe you're doing some right things. If you remember, Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, was a professional Christian killer. It doesn't matter what's wrong with you. Because whether you believe it or not, you look around this room, you see people pretty and perfect like me. Don't laugh at that. That's hurtful. But this room is full of broken, messed up people. I know them. You know, a lot of you know, you guys know each other better, but if you're new here, let me tell you, I know the people, we're all messed up, broken. We're all damaged goods. But you know what? That's who we used to be. Who we are now 
is glorified sons and daughters of the King. We're not defined by what happened to us in the past. I'll say it again. We're not defined by what happened to us in the past, whether it was someone else's fault or our fault. That is not what defines us as people. Because God can take anyone, anywhere, at any time, even someone living in a place at least a hundred times worse than Las Vegas, <laughs> who's a professional prostitute, and turns her into someone that we all must look up to. And what did she really do? What did she do? Did she have a brave moment? Did she, have, did, did she do a lot of studying and, and she suddenly had a bright idea? No. She asked for God, where are you? And when God came, she says, thank you, what do you want me to do? That's it. That's it. She didn't have some master plan. She wasn't some kind of genius. She said, God, where are you? God showed Himself and she said, God, what do you want me to do? That's all we have to do too. Stop trying to do other things and stop trying to disqualify yourself. Oh, you know what? I'm just not one of those people. Of course you're not. God chooses jars of clay to hold holy things. We are jars of clay because we're not impressive on the outside, but what God puts in us is impressive. Luke chapter 7. Starting in verse 44. Jesus is talking about who is going to be more grateful. A person with a small debt or a large debt. Turning toward the woman, He said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she's wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with older oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. So I tell you, her sins, which are many, they're many, they're forgiven. Because she loved much. Did you catch that? Her sins are forgiven because she loved much. But he, he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who were at the table with him began to say amongst himself, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I'm not going to get into arguments about whether or not faith saves us. Because, yes, there are things that if we have faith in Jesus, we're going to do. But the point is, how well you do those things isn't what saves you. You follow what I'm saying? Jesus says, repent and be baptized. But what if I'm on the way to get baptized and I get hit by a car? Come on, grow up. This isn't a magic spell you're encanting. This isn't a chemical you're mixing in a beaker. This is restoring your relationship to your Father Creator. Get what I'm saying? It's not about how well you do those things. It's about how well you listen and move and do the things that God has asked you to do. You got me? 
You're saved because of faith. Are there things you have to do if you listen, if you obey Jesus? Of course there are. You'll spend your whole life learning and growing. Of course. But there's nothing different you have to be today. You just have to be you. You just have to say, God, where are you? And when He reaches out and says, this is what I want you to do, you do it. It wasn't the crying on Jesus that saved this woman. It wasn't rubbing her hair on His feet that saved the woman. It's the love with which she approached the Son of God that showed her love. And because she had the love and trust and willingness to obey the Son of God, she was saved. That's all she had to have. She didn't know anything. She wasn't anyone. This was also not a good person like Rahab. And we're talking about her 2,000 years later for the same reason. Because God is trying to send you a message. It doesn't matter who you were yesterday. It matters who you choose to be today. And there are no limits on who that person can be. No limits on who that person can be. And stop believing the lies that you're just not ready or I'm just not that... Lies! There are no limits on who that person can be. Maybe people will be talking about you in 2,000 years. Or 3,000 years. Because you did something awesome? No, just because you said, God, help me. And when He reached out to help you, you let Him. That's it. That's it. The good news of the Gospel isn't about how you can be burdened with a load you can't carry. No, you know what? Oh, Steve, are you saying there's nothing we have to do? We don't have to strive? But I'm not saying any of that. But I'm saying your job is not to study the Bible. Your job is not to come to church. Your job is to follow Christ. You guys get the difference? And if you're not like the other people, good. Then God's glory will just be shown in you all the more. God has done great things at this church. Amen? That's because the Spirit of God's here. It's not because we're geniuses or because, you know what? That Steve guy was a really good pick. He's, he's a lot like a preacher. He, he has that preacherly air about him. And he's so, he's so calm. And he says everything in just the right way. Garbage! You guys know that ain't true, but the Holy Spirit's at work in this church. Whatever you think disqualifies you, just qualifies you more because you know if you hear words of God coming from this guy, it has to be coming from God because you know it didn't come from this guy. Amen? You can amen to that. That's fine. But that's good. I accept that. Stop being limited by the lies of the world. Don't be limited by your past, whether it was someone else's doing or your own. Just... Reach out to God and say, God, help me. And then just let Him help you. Easy. Done. You're not done. You're starting a journey of the rest of your life every day. Every minute being obedient. saying Every minute of your life saying, God, what do you want me to do? That process never stops. But that's the whole process. Is God, what do you want me to do? Find it out and do it. That's it. If you have things about you that you don't like, God will change them. Oh, God doesn't do stuff. Yes, He does. He absolutely does. 
If you're not a Christian, I don't know everybody in this room. If you're not a Christian and you're thinking, well, I'm waiting until I'm ready, there's never going to be a time when you're ready. The only thing that matters is, are you willing? Are you willing to reach out to God and let Him reach back to you? That's it. That's the only thing. And if you're willing to do that, we'll baptize you right now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and you will be justified a perfect, beautiful creature the way God had always meant you to be. If you're already a Christian and you need prayers for that transformation, let us pray with you. The prayers of righteous people avail much. Where two or more of us are gathered, what we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Let us pray with you. Come forward if you want while we stand and we sing this song.